You're listening to the Manverse Podcast. I am your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 65. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Metaverse Podcast. I am your host, Tom Traplin, and this is the podcast where we talk about building successful and profitable game businesses. Today, we are continuing the discussion that we started a few episodes ago. We're exploring the question, if a game store owner wants to grow their business today, what should they do? Now, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes of the series, I recommend you go do that before diving into this one. Or you can not listen to me and just listen to this one. That's fine. You don't, you don't have to do what I say. It's fine. That's fine. But if you do want to go back, uh, you can go check out episode 62, Marketing Your Game Store, by going to maniversaga.com forward slash MVP062, and episode 63, How to Craft an Exceptional Experience, by going to maniversaga.com forward slash MVP063. Okay, so before we get started, I want to add in a little uh, a woo-woo warning. So we're talking about personal development today, and many people may find the subject a, uh, a little out there. Too many gurus have made the idea of bettering yourself sound like a fad, something new age. Some people associate mindset with energy crystals and that kind of thing. Now, this isn't what we're going to talk about today. We are going to talk about how your business's success and your overall success in life depends on you. So we're going to start with the uh, the negative side of things, and we're going to work our way up to the positive side and wrap it up in a nice little metaphor that I'm sure you'll be able to appreciate as listeners of the show. So with that said, let's jump in, shall we? Okay, so I'm going to start off this podcast by reading a blog post I wrote a little while ago uh, titled On Nihilism and Depression. So I'm going to just jump into this and I'll explain why this makes sense or why I wanted to start with this uh, before. Okay, so this post is a little different from the usual topics I write about on this site, but it's been on my mind recently and I wanted to lay out my thoughts on paper, so to speak, or in this case, on podcast. Uh, Maybe you will gain something from my ramblings. Maybe you felt the same way. So if this helps even one person, it will have been worth the effort. Firstly, I'm lumping these two seemingly disparate outlooks together because they have similar effects on a person's actions, uh, that being nihilism nihilism and depression. Being a nihilist can also lead to being depressed, so they're not completely unrelated. Let's start with depression since it's far more common. There are a million and one reasons to be depressed, legitimate and otherwise. If something tragic happens in your life, you should feel depressed. Like, sadness is part of the human condition. It's, an ira- it's the irrational depression that I'm talking about from here on. So being depressed feels interesting. It's a strange place to be in. You feel numb, alone, isolated, unappreciated. There are a lot of words that can describe the feeling, but at the same time, there's a sense of specialness that comes with the depression. The very sensation of being alone and misunderstood is al- almost a source of pride. You think thoughts like, no one knows what it's like, and I'm alone. And it puts you in a unique place in the world. I feel that's a big reason why depression can be so persistent. Paradoxically, as uh, humans, we want to feel special, and feeling like you're the only person to ever feel such despair fulfills that desire, at least a little bit. And the trouble with depression is that it's like falling into a smooth pit. Once you're really into it, it becomes very difficult to get out. Sometimes you see no reason to continue moving forward with things. And this is where we'll segue into nihilism. I've personally spent many years as a nihilist, although I didn't know it at the time. Being a nihilist means always asking, but what's the point of it all? Ultimately, the, depre- or the definition of nihilism is uh, you know, the belief that existence is generally meaningless. And it's a very dark way of perceiving the world and your place in it. So back in my high school philosophy class, I was asked the question, 
Would you rather know and be unhappy, or not know and live ignorant of the truth, but be happy? I knew immediately my answer was to know and be unhappy. I didn't even question it at the time. I didn't fully realize the implications of that at the time either. Over 10 years later, I would still choose to know over being blissfully ignorant, but I would temper that by also having a positive outlook. See, I, f I feel it's very easy to learn about the world and become quickly disillusioned and pessimistic, which is exactly what happened to me. The more I discovered and learned, the darker my worldview. Without even realizing it, I was becoming jaded and nihilistic. If you're feeling this way now, I sympathize greatly with you. It sucks. You look around and you ask yourself the existential question, why, all of the time. The economy sucks, there's violence and brutality all around the planet, poverty, starvation, anger, an uncertain future. As an nihilist, the why can quickly become, why bother? I'm sure you can see why these thoughts can easily spiral into depression. And this is what I wanted to convey so much with this post. As long as you're alive, there is a chance to make things better. The philosophical position of nihilism and depression is basically that you should give up because there is nothing to hope for. Which is pretty absurd when you think about it. Because with the wider perspective on the absolutely mind-boggling potential of the human race, like that includes you, how can every possible future be bad? The answer is that it can't. There is always something to strive for that's worthwhile that can make life better. You basically never give up. I, I put off starting the site and much of pretty much anything else for a long time because I was caught in the throes of the philosophical equivalent of a dead end. And I guess this is where the topic kind of relates to running and building a game store. Building a business is a massive undertaking, and it shouldn't be approached lightly. But don't let your dreams die on the vine because of an irrationally negative view of the future. There's a lot of good reasons not to build a game store, but being an extreme pessimist shouldn't be one of them. Don't let nihilism or depression stop you from achieving your potential. The question shouldn't be why, it should be why not? Essentially, you can't be an entrepreneur and a nihilist at the same time, and the world needs more entrepreneurs right now. So I wanted to start with that because that's where I found myself at one point a few years ago, and I know you can't improve yourself, you can't improve the world until you believe that you can. So that's where we're going to move into next. All right, so now we're going to talk about limiting beliefs and self-doubt. Now, this is a section that is probably one of the most important because your beliefs about yourself determine what you are capable of. The world may be finite, but you, your beliefs about what you're capable of are far more limiting to you than what the world imposes on you. You may believe that you have, you're missing the resources, the education, the, the opportunity, the whatever, whatever you think you may be missing. That is all an excuse. Chances are it's your belief about what you're missing, about what is preventing you from doing whatever you want, whatever you're trying to achieve. That is what's holding you back. It's not the actual absence of those things. So what you believe about yourself and the world is your operating system. It's the methods, it's the, uh, it's the way you interact with the world at large. Now, you need to actually take, a, take stock of what your beliefs actually are about yourself. It's something that most people, most of us, have completely internalized. Uh, we rarely articulate our beliefs and understand them in, at a conscious level. It's all in, in that underworld, subconscious area. So what you really need to do is enunciate your beliefs. You need to state what you believe about yourself, and you need to 
well, hopefully what I want to get you to do is remove those beliefs that are holding you back because chances are most of them are useless. They're not, they don't make sense in the context of they're not actually true. That's an important thing for your beliefs to be. Uh, they need to correspond with reality. So if they're untrue, then you should ditch those things. And I also want you to stop talking negatively about yourself. There's something called negative self-talk. When you have an internal monologue, when you're talking to yourself in your head or, you know, as I tend to do, I don't know if that's the same for everybody, but, you know, every once in a while you start to have a conversation with yourself, depending on what you're, you're doing and how much time you have. Or maybe you say it out loud, say negative self-talk is saying things like, man, I was really stupid. I shouldn't have done that. I like, I, there's no way I could have done this. Obviously, I shouldn't have even tried. I'm a complete failure. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever it happens to be. those That is negative self-talk. That kind of thing is very destructive. Okay, so there's a, there's a concept called... Uh, well, I don't know if it has a name. But there is an idea that basically our environment shapes us and then we shape our environment. And now what that means is what you say about yourself is like a feedback loop. You will actually start to affect yourself if you are constantly negative. You will bring your emotions down. It's the same way as if uh, if you are happy, right? So if you're feeling happy, you tend to smile. Smiles are like the outer expression of your inner emotions. And if you're unhappy, you tend to frown. Now, what's interesting is if you smile, it tends to make you happy as well. And if you constantly walk around with a frown on your face, it'll tend to make you unhappy. It'll bring you down. Your body reacts like your emotions will react to the posture of your body and the way you express yourself on the outside. It'll start to reflect on the inside, just as how you feel on the inside will start to reflect on the outside. So you can go both ways. So which is why negative self-talk is so destructive, because if you're constantly beating yourself up and criticizing yourself, it's actually going back in and affecting your inner confidence and your inner mindset. It's important to enunciate your beliefs and say them out loud. This is often referred to as affirmations. And this is where the, the woo-woo stuff can kind of come in. But it's true. This actually does matter. If you talk positively about yourself, either internally or externally, it will improve how you feel about yourself and your confidence and your ability to achieve things will actually go up because you won't be holding yourself back. And an important thing about this is this is how you affect and mold your mindset. Now, your mindset is like the lens. Like if your beliefs are the belief structures you have inside yourself are your operating system, your mindset is kind of like the lens how you perceive the world through. So you can either have, there's basically one of two mindsets that you can adopt. You can either have a scarcity mindset or you can have an abundance mindset. And the scarcity mindset is where you believe that the world is kind of like a zero-sum game and that if you have more, somebody else has to have less and that there are limited resources, there's limited everything, and everything is just tough, and it's hard, and it's just, it's not a fun place to be. Whereas an abundance mindset is, you believe that you see the world as an opportunity, everything is, you know, easy for those who want to achieve it, that you believe that you are capable of it. Think of it as what it was like when you were a kid. You believed you were probably, probably, capable of doing virtually anything. You know, being Superman, and flying, and whatever your dreams were at the time, of course, they were kind of ridiculous, but the idea of how you felt, you felt that like the world was ahead of you and there was so much opportunity in the world. That is the abundance mindset. And that's something that you want to adapt because if you have an abundance mindset, you are much more likely to actually go out and do the things that you want to get done because you believe that they can get done. 
And what's interesting about limiting beliefs, at least one of the things that I find most interesting about them, is that you can often feel them physically. They manifest as anxiety and like physical tension, muscle tension. So if you think about, uh, if you believe, just to take an example, if you believe that you are incapable of public speaking, that like if you have a terrified, if you were terrified, if you have a fear of getting up in front of an audience and a crowd and speaking publicly, you may often think about it and feel it in some part of your body, like your throat might feel tight or maybe your, your abdomen might feel really tight. Now, if you, like me, I feel physical tension in my jaw. I carry it in my, my jaw for some reason. But if I know that I'm doing that, I can often relax my jaw and that'll help, help relieve the tension and the anxiety associated with whatever I'm thinking at the time. So what you should be doing is trying to take stock, really like pay attention to how you feel when you are anxious and tense and fearful. Like whatever you believe, when you encounter that roadblock, that, that psychological roadblock that is a limiting belief, how do you physically feel? Stop and think about it for a second and feel the tension in your body because if you can take hold of that, if you can relax whatever area is being compressed and tight and anxious, if you can take that and relax that sensation, it'll often go back into the body and help you move past that limiting belief because you will no longer feel the tension. So like it may help if your shoulders are all bunched up and your posture is hunched and you're crouched over because you feel, you know, scared or uh, weak in the situation. Take a second, take a deep breath, straighten up, shoulders back, take a power posture, and then rethink what you're considering. Because how you express yourself in an outward sense will actually affect how you feel on the inside. So pay close attention to your physical posture and how your body feels when you are in that state of anxiety, that state of tension, and when you encounter your limiting belief. Because that's one way, one of many tools that you can use to counteract your limiting beliefs and undo that self-doubt. Because once you believe that you are capable of anything, you will be able to achieve almost anything that you set your mind to. Another important aspect of personal development is uh, in the term development. And you should be investing in your own education. Just because you're done school doesn't mean you should stop learning. Being a better person is about growth and learning new perspectives and new ways of doing things. It's about the synthesis of the creation of something new, right? So synthesis is you taking down or taking and breaking down disparate components of other things, other disciplines, and putting them back together in novel ways. There is so much to learn in the world, even just the, the amount of human knowledge we've generated, not to mention the immense amount of unknowable things that exist in the universe. There's so much to learn, and there's so many unexplored ways of combining things. Don't be one of those people who think, oh, it's all been done. That is not true. It has not all been done. There is so much that has not even been scratched that we've not even hinted at. And one of the ways that you do this creative synthesis is by reading. You should be reading a lot. Reading is one of the most common traits for the most wealthiest people on the planet. The people who have generated the most wealth, the biggest businesses, all that great stuff. One of the, the big shared things they've, that they've all had in common is the fact that they all read considerably larger or more books than the average person in North America. 
sadly, the average person in North America reads, I think, less than a book a year. And a good chunk of them have not read anything after they've left left college. You should be a reader. Be a reader if you want to succeed. If you want to grow and you want to do better. If you want your business to succeed. If you want your game store to grow. You should be reading. And I'm not talking about just reading the game industry publications and things like that. You should be reading everything. Like fiction and nonfiction. You should be looking for history, science, philosophy, business. Go wide and far-reaching. Ask, Look for the, the best books, the best recommendations, and just start accumulating, consuming as many books as you possibly can. Read faster and more efficiently, if you can figure that part out. The more you read, the more you will be able to do this creative synthesis. You'll be able to, you'll be exposed to different ideas and different perspectives that you can then put together in new ways. There are so many things, like another major aspect of many of the most successful business owners in North America is the fact that they've taken their experience in other industries and then put them into a, and then applied them to a different uh, sector, a different technology that nobody had thought of before, but it completely changed the game. So the more you read, the more you will, the more ideas you'll be exposed to. Another important part of education, and reading is kind of an aspect of this, is that you should be looking for shortcuts. You want to find people that you can learn from that are five to ten years ahead of where you are right now. So, you know, find somebody who is where you at, or who is where you want to be in the future, and learn directly from them. These are often referred to as mentors, which we'll talk about a little bit more in the next section. But mentors are a shortcut to where you want to be, and they can be found pretty much anywhere. And the reason I mentioned reading is related to this is because mentors don't even have to be alive. You can learn from the mistakes of others, whether or not they are in the same room as you, whether or not you get to talk to them personally. The reason books are so powerful is because these people are opening up, the the, the author is opening up their world to you. You get to see what happened or what they think right through their perspective, right through their eyes. And if you want to learn directly from uh, Warren Buffett or Steve Jobs or any of the, you know, great business owners of the recent times so, or if you want to learn from somebody who's been gone for a long time like you could pick up a, a book on stoicism from marcus aurelius and you can learn from one of the greats somebody who's been dead for thousands of years they do not have to be contemporary they don't have to be modern times there are lessons to be learned all throughout history and one of the best ways to do that is books now i'm not going to knock conventional education another great way to learn something new is to go to school for it if you have the uh, the time and the inclination and the money another great way to teach yourself something new are obviously podcasts like this this is a great first step obviously you're a listener to the manverse podcast and you want to learn new ways of growing your your game store that's a great first step don't just listen to me though listen to other podcasts Unrelated to the gaming business, there are so many things that you can learn. The the amount of resources available to us in this age, in the internet age, are so immense is that you really have no excuse. It should only take your time. And even then, it shouldn't take that much time. Condensed learning is kind of the new thing right now. Podcasts can deliver a lesson in a very concise one-hour chunk, and you can get a lot of value out of these things. In the same way that a video, a five-minute video, can teach you something that might have taken you several hours to teach yourself. Go 
online, find people who you can learn from, start reading books, and start investing in your education if you want to grow your business or grow your life. Okay, so we just talked about investing in education and mentors. And the reason I said that mentors are going to be talked about again is because it, it applies to your peer group as well. So you may have heard this before. It's a saying that goes like this. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I want you to increase your average, okay? So what that means is that you take on the traits of the people that you spend time with. And the people you spend the most time with, those are the people that you are going to resemble the most. Ideally, your peer group, the ones you spend the most time with, are people who are similar to yourself, that have the same value, and are on the same path as you. So these people should be driven and motivated to achieve new good things, great things in the world, in their business, in their life, that kind of stuff. Because, like I said with mentors, you want to find people that are a little bit ahead of where you are in life. The things that you want to achieve. Like if their business is a little bit yours, those are the people you are a little bit bigger than yours. Those are the people you want to learn from. Another advantageous thing that's also on the flip side of this is that you don't necessarily always want to have people who are ahead of where you are. You can also spend a lot of time with people who are just a little bit behind you. Three to five years where you were in the past. Because the reason you might want to do this, the reason why it can be advantageous for you is you can actually discover new things about yourself by teaching other people things that you already know. This is It's one of the more exciting things. You will internalize a lot. There are a lot of things. If you've been in business for a while or if you are on the path of uh, going into business, there are a lot of things that you do really well that you can't even convey to somebody else. You don't even know how to explain how well you do them. That's because we've internalized it. It's that's one of the reasons why we do it so well. The skills that we've internalized, they're 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 difficult to explain. But if you go through the trouble, if you go through the difficulty of pulling out those traits and those processes that you've those systems that you've built and you've internalized so well, if you pull those out and you teach them to somebody else, you will discover things about yourself that you didn't even realize because they were so internalized. You can then take those systems and apply them to other places in your business. Or, like we talked about before, the synthesis. Once you can identify something, you can use it to create new ways of looking at things, new new novel inventions, things like that. So there's a lot of things that uh, you can benefit by being a mentor yourself. That's part of the, the relationship. There's a reason why mentors are usually pretty happy to have you on board and, and have them... Uh, have you learn from them is because they also get something out of it too it's not a completely one-sided relationship at least it it usually isn't so you when it comes to your peer group you should be looking for people who are on the same path as you and this doesn't necessarily mean the same beliefs or even the same industry you don't have to spend time with five other game store owners who are roughly the same size it doesn't have to be like a perfect match the idea is is that they they have the same underlying characteristics of of personality traits as you so they are motivated confident ambitious uh, driven caring honest you know the good virtues those kinds of things if they if you that's something that you share and you're all of the entrepreneurial spirit then that's something that you can all learn from each other and you'll all carry each other forward as you go down that path because you're all walking in the same direction if one thing that i've discovered is that being an entrepreneur is very lonely it's very hard because you are often the only one doing what you do. It's really hard to identify with other people and feel 
like part of the group when you're the only person doing something in particular. You're not the only when everyone else is doing the average nine to five office job, factory job, whatever it happens to be, when everyone else is in that group, they can all talk to each other about their jobs. They all get it. They're all, they all have that shared experience, but it being an entrepreneur is not only are you like literally alone for a good portion of the day, you don't have that shared experience. So it's really important to find people who are also of the same mind as you. And this is something that, uh, this leads me into another topic, something called a mastermind. Now, like it, as an entrepreneur, it may be hard. You may be the, literally the only person in your social circle who's doing what you do, who, who is even an entrepreneur. We're pretty rare. So a mastermind is a formally organized group of peers that have similar goals, and it, that's usually growing a business or growing personally. Uh, masterminds are great for a couple of reasons. In the same sense that, uh, okay, you're not going to spend a huge amount of time with your mastermind, but they will increase your average of the people that you spend time with. Masterminds are usually composed of people who, uh, like, typically it's business owners. In the sense of game store owners, what would make the most sense is uh, if you wanted to form a mastermind of your own, would be to approach game store owners in other cities that you don't directly compete with. That's part of the uh, the intrinsic nature that you want to achieve for a mastermind is that it's supposed to be cooperative. And it's kind of hard to be in a mastermind with somebody you are directly competing against for customers. So that's just something to keep in mind. The way a mastermind normally functions is basically you are there to help solve one another's problems. Uh, when a mastermind gets together, and to, before we describe the meeting, a mastermind usually has like four to ten members, somewhere in that range. But uh, when you all get together, you have a particular schedule that you've all decided to meet, usually once a month or once every two weeks if you're really aggressive, or like once a quarter or six months, whatever it happens to be. Whatever you decide that you think makes the most sense for the group and is the best for everybody, has the most benefit, that's the schedule you stick to. Everyone gets together, and usually what you do is you rotate hot seats. You spend like one to two hours, however much time you can you know, afford to spare, and you, uh, whoever's in the hot seat brings all of their issues to the table. That's kind of the idea. So if you're in the hot seat, you talk about what you've been doing in your business, what problems you've faced, and things that you've done well that you think, you know, lessons that you've learned, things that you've achieved. And what happens is everyone else in the table then goes around and starts trying to solve your problem. So the reason this is so effective, the reason why masterminds are awesome, is because you get two things. The first is accountability. Accountability is really important because it makes sure that it makes you commit to whatever you say you're going to do. And that's part of the, that's a built into a mastermind. Part of what you're supposed to do is say, okay, I'm going to be doing this, this, and this. And it's kind of like having an accountability partner. You and the person, the other person are supposed to stay in touch and make sure that the person you are partnered with does what they say they're going to do. And if they don't, uh, you don't necessarily take their money, but you can, you can actually increase your odds of success by putting your money where your mouth is and saying, if I don't do what I'm going to do, you, I will cut a check for a hundred bucks. Here you go. It's yours. And that there's important psychological reasons as to why that's effective. But the point is accountability works. It's very important. And it's a big aspect of why masterminds are so effective that the group holds everyone accountable to what they say they're going to do. And it actually pushes you to, it drives you to achieve more in the eyes of others, not just in yourself. It's very easy to let yourself off the hook. It's very hard to let someone you respect down. And the second part of why masterminds are so effective is that the right team is worth more than the sum of its parts. 
So you may be able to individually achieve, let's just say, 100% of what the thing is. But if you're teamed with somebody else who also achieves 100% individually, and you work together, the combined results are often 250%, maybe 300, 400, 500%, and not just the 200% that you can achieve together. If you put your minds together, you will achieve greater things. There's a reason why teamwork is so effective and why having the right partners can often lead to great business successes. There are plenty of excellent businesses built off the back of two people or three people who have had a similar vision and have complemented each other well enough that individually they just would not have been able to do the exact same things. So that's what I wanted to say about your peer group. You should be trying to increase your overall average, spend time with people that you like, but that you can also learn from and then teach others the things that you know. Find people who are on the same path as you and try and, if it makes sense for you, maybe you should try and organize a mastermind. Okay, so when we started this podcast, I said we were going to go from the dark side to the light. We're going to work our way up out of the pit. We start off with nihilism, a so happy topic, along with depression. And we, uh, we, started, we moved on from there to limiting beliefs, self-doubt, and then we started talking about ev- education, investing in yourself, and we just talked about the peer group that you surround yourself with. Now we're going to talk about internal stuff. We're going to talk about something that's intrinsic to who you are and why you do what you do. And this is something that uh, I've talked about before in other uh, circumstances. But I'm going to talk about some. I'm going to talk about a concept introduced to me by uh, an author named Simon Sinek, or Sinek, depending on how you pronounce it. And it's basically it's entitled "Start with Why," but the concept is called the Golden Circle. Okay, so I want to want you to imagine three circles, kind of like a you know a dartboard, three circles. In the center circle, there is why, and the circle outside of that there's how and on the circle outside of that is the what this is the golden circle so every organization knows what they do you know what they make what they provide in our case what you do is you sell games most know how they do it and the how is usually their uh, their unique selling perspective or their unique selling proposition, their competitive edge, that kind of thing. They know exactly, they know how they do it, but very few know why they do it. And when I say why, I'm not talking profits. Profits are the result, okay? And a good good example of this is Apple computers. They're not just another computer company. And we know this intrinsically. We know this. We can understand that. And there's a reason why Apple is so effective at what they do. And it's because they know why. If they were just another computer company that says they make excellent, fantastic, intuitive, beautiful computers, that's cool. That's not that's not bad, but that's not exciting. And if they if they say they they told you how they do it, they they use the best technology, the greatest factories, the most efficient, blah 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 blah. Again, that's okay, but that's not super exciting. But the reason they know why they do it, and the reason why Apple does it is because they want to be innovators. They want to be different. They want to go against the grain. They want to they make computers for people who want to be unique and individuals. And that is what people are buying. This is something that you need to internalize. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. See, most businesses operate from the outside of the circle in. They go, they talk about the what and the how, and they rarely talk about the why. 
They think the what is what's going to get them business. But what you should be doing is going from the inside out. You should start with the why and then work your way from there. So people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. You need to talk about what you... You need to talk about what you believe because that attracts those who believe the same thing. What you do is the proof of what you believe. What's interesting about this idea and the idea of starting with why and is that it comes from biology. The golden circle idea is rooted in biology. We make decisions with our limbic brain. This is one of the more interesting things about this concept. Not the neocortex. And the neocortex is the outer area. It's the area responsible for language. But language can only go so far. And this is a reason why when we are making decisions, we often use emotional language. We say things like, I feel it, you know, right in my gut. Or like in my heart, it doesn't work. Like you don't use, and a lot, a lot of times you don't use logical reasoning. You use emotional reasoning. And it's because the limbic brain doesn't use language. It's, it just, it's a intuitive decision-making device. So oftentimes we make decisions emotionally without even realizing it. So what's interesting about the golden circle, what's interesting with the idea of starting with your why. Okay, Early adopters, we're going to talk about the adoption curve when it comes to uh, to new businesses. Early adopters are the ones who are driven by what they believe, okay? They're the people who stand in line to, for a new iPhone, those kinds of people. If you want to have success in business and you want to reach the early majority, that's that 34% of the adoption curve where you kind of cross over into mainstream success, is you have to cross the chasm, as it's known, and you have to convince these early adopters so how do you convince early adopters? And what does that mean in terms of the games business? So if you're running a game store, you need to, you need to inspire people with your passion. This is why it's uh, something that we talked about in a recent podcast. This is why you need to hire people who care about customers. This is why customer service is so important, but also passion for what you are selling and what you're doing and what you are bringing to a community. There's a reason why people like... Uh, Lynn Potian of the Game Board and Darcy Leach of MindSculpt Games. There's a reason why people are drawn to their businesses. It's because they have this deep belief that they're doing something great, that they, the business that they are, they've created is doing something that uh, didn't exist before, that the, that the community genuinely needed, that is benefiting these people's lives. They're not just selling games. And this is something we talked about before. You're not just selling games. It's, it's also about the experience and the relationship that you're building with your customers. Your why should be about improving businesses or improving your customers' lives by making their relationships better, by creating experiences that, that allow them to connect with their family, their friends, to make, make them laugh and maybe cry depending on the situation. But that's, that's your why. The why should be coming from within. And another interesting uh, point that he makes in his uh, presentation, Simon Sinek does, is that he makes a distinction between leaders and those who lead. Leaders hold a position of power or authority. Those who lead inspire people. So what we should be doing is you don't want to be a leader. You don't want to be somebody who just gets out front. You want to be somebody who leads. And that means you need to know why you're doing what you're doing. If you know that your business is making people's lives better, if you know that the products you sell are fun, are joy and laughter and good times, 
like that is what you are selling. If you believe that, then you are going to express that in everything that you do. Everything about your business is going to come from why you do it. So you have to ask yourself, what is your message? And I mentioned Lynn and Darcy already, so I'll just plug them again. If you have time and you want to know what it means to have your why well established and how it can change the course of your business, you should check out MVP 060 and MVP 061. So episode 16 and episode 61. The Game Board and MindSculpt Games. It's a good Those will give you a good idea what it means to run your business from your why. Okay, I want to end this episode with my personal philosophy. And this is something that I came up with a few months ago. As far as I can tell, originally, I probably got it from somewhere or synthesized it from someone else. But it basically goes like this. It's a very simple philosophy. It goes like this. Play the game. And the reason I like this and the reason why it's very appropriate to what we're talking about here and the games business in general is because it's very effective. You should treat life like a game, a serious game, but a game. Play to win, okay? You are the hero of your own personal story. What's funny is that most people who open a game business at one point in their life were gamers, if not already, if they don't continue on after their uh, their business life begins. As gamers, we have no problem figuring out the intricacies of our hobby in order to succeed. We often even revel in the whole thing. We train our characters, we build our collections, we max out our stats. You know, we figure out the best strategies to build a team, to build a deck, to overcome the boss, to take down the metagame. And we do it because we want to reap the rewards, right? We want stronger characters, we want better treasure, whatever it happens to be, the good loot. You should be doing the same thing with your life. In the sense that, I'm not talking uh, in a moral psychopath sort of way. I am saying what you should be doing is figuring out what drives you, what's important to you, and then make the moves that put you in the best position to win the game. Maximize your advantage in a cooperative sense. And this is what I, uh, I wanted to differentiate a little bit. When I say play to win, I don't mean in a competitive sense against somebody. I don't mean the uh, zero-sum game that we were talking about before, the scarcity mindset. I mean in the sense that treat life like a game that everybody can win. You know, when something happens, respond to it in a strategic way in the same way that you would respond to a board state in Magic. Imagine life as a game against, depending on what you want to imagine, a benevolent or a, you know, negligent or a uncaring deity. Whatever it happens to be. Imagine you're playing the game of life and you're trying to succeed, you're trying to better your position and everyone else's position, everyone around you, everyone you know, all your peer group, everyone that you associate with, they're also playing the game alongside you. You all want to win. You're all on the same team. You're all trying to do better. You're all trying to make your life better and each other's lives better. Make the best move for your life. Think about your life as, think about you as the hero to your own life story. I find this is very effective because, you know, oftentimes it's real easy to procrastinate. This is something we didn't mention earlier on in the show. Procrastination is essentially uh, the death wish. There's a book I read a little while ago called The War of Art. Not The Art of War. The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And it, he says that uh, procrastination, the idea of just being like that resistance, and he says resistance with a capital R, our tendency to not want to do the things that we want to do, you know, the fear that we feel when we think of achieving good things or going, you know, like a, asking that special someone out on a date. 
that fear, that, that anxiety you feel towards that is actually the resistance. It's actually your death wish. That's the part of you that just wants you to not be. You need to combat that at all times. You need to fight against procrastination. And what's interesting is that we do not procrastinate at all in D&D or in Magic or any hobby industry, any, any hobby game that we play. When we sit down to play a video game, we don't just waste time. We don't, we don't have our players sit around and, you know, whittle sticks and just not go fight the boss. You get out there, you do what you have to do to go get the treasure, to go get that secret weapon, to get the magic armor, to do whatever it happens to be, to, to, be, to level up your character, to get strong enough to go and achieve the thing that you set it to do. That's what your life should be like. You should be, you are the hero. So be the hero, play the game and play to win. And I think that's a great place to wrap up this episode of the Maniverse podcast. All the links to the articles I reference in this podcast can be found in the show notes at maniversesaga.com forward slash MVP 065. That also includes the books and all the other things that we talked about. And now I've, I've been a little hush-hush on this, but as a listener of the Maniverse podcast, you may have noticed some new pages on the Maniverse Saga menu. Over the past few months, I've been in the process of building out the members-only premium side of Maniverse Saga. Now, this is where I will be posting in-depth courses, guides, and templates for specific strategies for growing your game business. Okay, so we're talking about step-by-step, -step, how to set up Facebook ads that convert, how to build e-commerce sites and sell your stock online, streaming events and like video production. And by popular request, it's we are going to go super in-depth into social media management and how to use social media to sell more games and to build a bigger business. It's also going to be the home of past episodes of the Metaverse podcast. It's what I call the vault and it's where I will be posting special members only podcasts in the future as well. Now I'll continue to post regular content on the free side that focuses on the why of certain tactics, but the meaty how to stuff will be going into the members section. See, it's currently a work in progress and I wanted to reiterate this, you know, like we are building it out. It's still a work in progress, but if you're serious about growing your game store, it would be great to have you as an early bird premium member. And another advantage to being an early bird premium member is that you will be in a position to help shape the direction of the content. And ultimately you get to help decide what I will be producing and contributing to the premium side. So if there is something that you want in particular, if there's some difficulty if there's some tactic that you want me to explore more in depth then you will have more of a say as a premium member so if you want if there's an area of your business that you need help with then i definitely recommend you become a premium member and let me know and i will be your advocate i will do the in-depth research that no one else will do and i'll save you the time to take that way you don't even have to do it yourself my goal for the premium membership is for it to be your virtual gamma a virtual GTS, a treasure trove of resources and shortcuts and strategies that you can access from anywhere with an internet connection. So now I hope I've tickled your fancy a little bit. I will be sharing more about what's going on behind the scenes soon. All right, again, I want to thank you for being a listener to the Maniverse podcast. I really appreciate it. You have probably no idea how much I appreciate the fact that you are a listener to the podcast. I am Tom Traplin, and I've been your host, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Remember, stay strong and play the game. I will talk to you next time.